Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast, the Super Bowl 55 Podcast, a special podcast today where we will be joined by the world champion general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jason Light, as well as his director of football administration, Mike Greenberg, the other Mike Greenberg, another one actually does exist as they reflect on the season that was and the latest championship that they've brought to Tampa. And then we'll be joined by the man who just completed his 10th Super Bowl, 10 Super Bowls, not Tom Brady, but rather the host of the NFL Today show on CBS, as well as the host of Inside the NFL, the great, and I mean great, James Brown. But when we talk about greatness, we go back to the man who also played in his 10th Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Just want to give you a glimpse of some of the marks that he's now set that will live in eternity in the NFL record books. Most Super Bowl starts by a quarterback in postseason history. Tom Brady with 10. Next up on the list, John Elway with five. So as great as John Elway was, and as many times as he got the Broncos to the Super Bowl, five, Tom Brady's double that. Double that. Okay. Passing yards leader in Super Bowl history. Tom Brady has 3,039 passing yards, what some quarterbacks might have in a single season. Tom Brady now has in the Super Bowl. The next passing yards leader in Super Bowl history, Kurt Warner at 1,156. That means that Tom Brady has almost 1,900 more passing yards than any other quarterback who's played in Super Bowl history. How about passing touchdown leaders? Tom Brady, 21. Next on the list, Joe Montana with 11. 11. So Tom Brady's now almost doubled Joe Montana's Super Bowl total. How about the most passing touchdowns in Buccaneers postseason history? Buccaneers have a long history, right? Well, if we took Brad Johnson, Doug Williams, Trent Dilford, Jeff Garcia, and Sean King, all the quarterbacks that have played for the Buccaneers in the postseason, they've combined to throw for 10 touchdown passes in the history of the franchise. Tom Brady threw for 10 in this postseason alone with Tampa. And how about the most playoff passing touchdowns in NFL history? Tom Brady's at 83. Next up, Joe Montana and Aaron Rodgers at 45. Tom Brady's almost doubled them. Good luck to all the people trying to catch up to Tom Brady in the NFL record books. He changed the culture. He changed the city. He changed the franchise. And I posted a tweet on Sunday that said, and it's amazing to me, when we go back to last offseason, when Tom Brady was a free agent, there were 32 teams. And Tom Brady had in mid-March two teams that were seriously interested in signing him. The Buccaneers and the Chargers, too. So think about this for a second. Think about this. You didn't have to trade a single pick or player to New England. You could just sign Tom Brady off the street, free of charge. You didn't have to trade multiple first-round picks the way the Rams did. You didn't have to trade multiple first-round picks the way the teams want to do for Deshaun Watson. You could have just signed Tom Brady for free. And the only two teams that really stepped up in mid-March when it counted were the Buccaneers and the Chargers. And now, on the same weekend in which Tom Brady's former college teammate, Charles Woodson, has gone into the Hall of Fame because he quit playing five years ago, and when Tom Brady's main chief nemesis during his NFL career, Peyton Manning, was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he stopped playing five years ago, Tom Brady continued to tack on more and more milestones and more and more records to the point where he never will be caught ever in postseason history. We get to watch greatness. All right, before we get into today's episode, first I want to tell everyone about a brand new ESPN podcast. You know about First Take, but how about First Take, Her Take, this new podcast hosted by Charlie Arnold, Kimberly Martin, and Chanae Agumake. They discuss and debate the biggest sports stories and delve into topics about their lives and culture. Subscribe, rate, and review First Take, Her Take, as well as the Adam Schefter podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, the world champion general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jason Light, as well as the Buccaneers director of football administration, the other 
Mike Greenberg. Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, take it away. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. This the world champs? (laughs) (laughs) I don't get sick of that. (laughs) I don't imagine you will. (laughs) Right? Oh, man. So I, I, I haven't had a chance to speak to both of you guys since you won the world championship and the Super Bowl. So congratulations. What has it been like since the victory Sunday night? It's been a little bit of a blur, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when you have a lot of friends and family here celebrating with you and, and part of the weekend festivities and the game, and then you, you see them off, um, and then you really, for me at least, I don't know about Mike, I, I haven't really had that chance to kind of just sit down and just kind of exhale and, and think about it all. Yeah, it's definitely, I think definitely been a surreal experience and it being in Tampa also. Um, yeah, it's just one thing into the next, like Jason said, with, with family around and, and uh, it's, been, it's been great so far. Jason, you won Super Bowl 36 and 55. How do the two compare? Well, it's, they're both awesome. Uh, that was, <laughs> they're both with uh, the GOAT at quarterback. Um, so, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, funny how that happens. <laughs> funny how that happens. Um, and you know, it's, it's hard to compare the, the two. I, 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 they were just, just winning the Super Bowl. besides, you know, my wedding day and the, the three days that my kids were born, I, I, it's the best feeling in the world. I know Mike enjoyed it an awful lot. And you had known what it was like to win it, Jason, but Mike, you know, he sent me a text coming home from the NFC Championship game. I could tell how much fun he was having. This was new to Mike. He was a playoff run rookie, right? He had never experienced this. Mike, was it what you thought it would be and then some? Uh, you know what? I think it was more. <laughs> just uh, everything coming together and, and just kind of feeling like all you know, all the hard work that everyone in the organization put in, uh, paying off and seeing how happy everybody was. It just uh, – that's what really made, makes it special. That's that's the best part is getting like everybody that hasn't experienced it or and also just all the I mean, I've known for a long time here that I have a phenomenal staff, like phenomenal. And we just have not had good records here. And <laughs> for, for them, for them to finally get noticed and for them to for people to realize how good they are and that's that's to me is what makes this that's what gets me choked up thinking about it at night um you know guys like mike and but and spy tech and beal and rob mccarty and all of my scouts i can't like jackie davidson I, I i could go on and on listing all of them but all the road scouts i was a road scout um that's how i came up through the business so i just know how much work they put into this and their families um supporting them. So it's just all at once. It just, it just really, it's a rush of, of, of emotions that it's going to, at some point I'm going to break down here in the next 24 hours. Well, you said choked up, Jay. Did you actually get emotional about it? Teary eyed at all thinking about all that you and the people that you work with had accomplished there and all that people sacrificed and all they committed to, to get this done. I do. I'll admit it. I do. I did before the game. I was, we were in the hotel I, I was afraid to walk out of my, my room and kind of go down to the meal room or whatever, just because I didn't want somebody to see me. I, cause at a moment's notice, I could just, 
it just just all the emotions just kind of come out at once. And we hadn't even played the game yet. Um, and now I, I really haven't since, but I will. I promise you I will. And you know what's neat about that? And I'm not just saying this, Jason. The guy you're sitting with, Mike Greenberg, is your biggest proponent and biggest advocate. He was pushing before the postseason began for a light to be shine on the great job that you had done. He did it throughout the postseason. And even the morning of the Super Bowl, he wants to make sure that the world knows what a great job you did and was in your corner pushing for you to get the attention that now has and is coming your way and will continue to come your way all during the offseason, which is a byproduct of being a world champion. That guy right there, Mike, he's your biggest fan, Jason. Adam, I was uh, going to say, you know, I've spent that uh, Jason talking about the staff, but we, we love Jason and uh, never lost, you know, just always believed in him and the plan he had. And uh, so it's, you know, we're thrilled to see this happen. Cause, I, cause I, gonna be I don't working. know what to say. I might have lost where you're, you're, <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it. Yes, you got to stop. You gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, well, honestly, why don't you go ahead and say here what you've said to me all along about Jason. Go ahead. Let, let, let's see if we can bring him to tears. Seriously. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, uh, he's an unbelievable leader. Uh, we all absolutely love working for him. Um, he's an unbelievable evaluator. Uh, but the, 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 you know, the, the, the team we have that, that Jason was able to assemble, uh, you know, we, it, it's a phenomenal team. Uh, it's a phenomenal culture here. And I think that also honestly is, is what, Kind of made this all come together. It's it's a great place to to wake up and and come to work every day. And even through some of you know, the the losing seasons and the uh, darker days, all of us still woke up and uh, we're thrilled to come to work. And it's a reflection in, of Jason and his leadership on the on the organization. And uh, no one deserves the uh, this this championship more than him. And Jason, what would you say about Mike? We uh, I honestly believe that we wouldn't be having this parade today. Uh, if it weren't for Mike Greenberg, he is, he is so important to me professionally, me personally, um, and this entire organization. He's, he's what, uh, he's, he's the real, he's the real deal. He's the real GM. And I, I couldn't survive without the work that he does. And once again, I'm starting to feel like Rod Tidwell here. And you're, you're, um, and you're Firestorm. Uh, I was, uh, I was, I wasn't ready for this this, this early. Uh, I wasn't ready for it either. I, um, but anyway, um, this, I, I, I can't, I'm not trying to pull the humble card. I, I just can't say enough about Mike and the, the entire staff. I just can't, I wish we should, I wish we could blow that Super Bowl trophy up into a, into a hundred pieces and just hand out little pieces to everybody. So, um, or I, I guess I could get replicas for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and for those who don't know, Jason obviously has been the general manager of the Buccaneers for quite some time, was with New England, won a Super Bowl ring there. Mike grew up in the same town as me, went to the same high school as me. He went on to better things like law school and went on to work for you guys and has become the guy, and I don't just say this to everybody, everybody loves Mike Greenberg. Nobody <laughs> dislikes Mike Greenberg. But Mike Greenberg also has a great story about signing your quarterback, Tom Brady. Can you share with everybody, Mike, how your brother-in-law was the one who got Tom Brady signed to his contract during the pandemic? Yeah, it's uh, it, right, right when we, right when free agency began, uh, it's really when the pandemic really started, um, you know, uh, coming into play. And uh, we weren't allowed to fly any of our free agents in. So Tom was in New York city at the time and we needed to have someone go and, and essentially have him sign the contract and send it back to us. And my brother-in-law uh, had worked at the league office, worked, worked in football work for us for a little bit. So I'd been around, um, you know, been around the game around the organization. So we actually had him go down to Tom's apartment and bring him the contract and have him sign and send it back. So he was really the, uh, the, the, the person who had the uh, contract executed uh, and then took the picture that you know, went out of Tom signing. Uh, my, my, favorite, my favorite part of that story is when we asked him about the experience, how, how it went. He said they knew as soon as he walked into the lobby, they said, oh, yeah, um, we're waiting. He's waiting for you. And he said, what uh, floor? 
what and he walked in the elevator and they said no just press 12 <laughs> <laughs> and they said well what 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 apartment is it and he said no it's just 12 <laughs> so what was was it actually 12 it. is is that is that it was that the tw- truly 12 truly was 12 yeah, yeah. that's awesome <laughs> and so your brother-in-law Jake Gellerman walks into Tom Brady's apartment on 12 and what was what did Jake Gellerman say to you about that experience, Mike? He said Tom couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, he, he walked in. Um, first, I think he actually called out, I'm in here, and my brother-in-law had a hard time finding him because it was a, you know, a bit big department. But he said he, 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 said he just and Tom was, was, was unbelievably kind, um, excited, uh, and same, same characteristics as we've described Tom as this whole year when he came to the building and nothing but just kind and, and professional to everybody. And he's just, he's really just a phenomenal person. And Jason, you knew Tom from your time together in new England. When you knew you had the chance to sign him, how did reality match up to what you expected, Jason? Well, I knew the kind of person he was and I knew obviously what the player that he has been. And Bruce and I, and our staff, we were, we were very confident that we were getting the Tom Brady that we saw this year. So it was, it was a, you know, and then it, it worked out. Now there, we had some peaks and valleys of the season. Um, everybody had to, was getting to know each other, you know, new teammates, new coaches, new play callers, new everything. But Tom just has that ability to get things right and to work with just about anybody. And I know we're just all very, very happy and very blessed that we were able to get him. (laughs) It it worked out kind of the way we thought. Take me back to when you got him, Jason. And I remember last year uh, going over the idea that Tom Brady could wind up in Tampa when it actually happened. What went through your mind when you knew that Tom Brady was signing with the bucks? Oh man, it was, uh, we were, the pandemic had just started. So I think we would have in a normal year rented out a restaurant and, you know, pop champagne and had a party, but it was, <laughs> we were, we were at home. Like <laughs> we couldn't be with near each other. And it was just very, very odd. Um, it was, it was just an odd time, but it was a, it was something that was needed at a time when, when the world was in, um, the pandemic and, and disarray and a lot of bad things were happening and still are, but it just, uh, it was, it was much needed in this community. And I just know the excitement, um, that it brought was, was much needed for everybody, all, all of us and everybody here in, in Tampa. And Jake Gellerman and Jake Gellerman and Jake Gellerman. What I think was kind of interesting and coach kind of said this the other day is, uh, his wife met Tom for the first time, on the podium at the, the hosting of the party. Oh yeah. It, and I talked to Giselle for the first time and in a normal year, my kids would be here on Saturdays um, at practice and they, they know all of the players, but they weren't able to be around them. And so, you know, as the confetti's coming down, my kids are running around slapping high fives with the players and playing with the other kids. And it was, it was awesome. And that was the first time during the confetti parade there on the field that your kids got to say hello to Tom Brady this season. Yeah, uh, besides FaceTime, um, which we had done a few times. Yeah. Um, but it was the, it was the first time. Yeah, that's the first time my wife met him. Wow! And what did she say about the experience? The same. It was just you, she had she had tears tears of joy. I mean, it's just. It was just phenomenal, just a surreal moment, surreal. What, what will you always remember about this year? Because I know it's not the same thing. I was not a part of the team, but I remember covering the Denver Broncos back-to-back Super Bowl champions in 1997, 1998, those seasons. And there are things about that that are branded on my brain that will always be forever. What will you always remember about this season for each of you. And we'll start with Mike. Um, you know, just, well, getting Tom Brady was obviously unbelievably special. Um, but just, uh, really 
just how hard everybody really had to work, like just put in the extra extra work just because there was just a lot of different hurdles that, you know, we really weren't used to. It, it was a lot of uh, a lot of things on the fly, too, because, you know, no, nobody really knew what to expect. Um, you know, the league did a great job with all the protocols and but they were constantly changing and there was constant developments because no one no one really had a you know, good feel for the virus and, and what was going to happen. And so it was just um, how hard everybody worked and how everybody uh, really came together to, to make this season happen um, in the organization, at the league office, um, our families, and just all the sacrifices people made to, to make sure we can get the season, which ended up to be, you know, obviously a special one. Jason? You know, that can't be overlooked. Uh, I can't tell you how many times Mike texted me at one, two, three in the morning, having to field phone calls, be on the phone with the league, new protocols every day, having to explain the protocols to everybody in the organization. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy year. And a lot of people rise in those situations. And we had a lot of people rise um, here in this organization to, to get through it and to make the adjustments. But I would say, as I'm thinking about this year, 10, 20, 30 years from now, the first day that all the players were able to come and work out in that ramp up period, and we weren't allowed on the field, just the strength uh, conditioning and the trainers were. And I looked out my window and I saw Brady throwing to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and OJ and Gronk, um, see JPP and Shaq and Sue and Levante and Devin White and just all of our players. And now we're biased because it's our team, but I just remember looking out there saying, wow. And then Bruce came down to my office and he said, you happen to peek out your window? We got some f***ing swag out there. (laughs) (laughs) And that's true, right? And that's true. Pardon my language. And you, really, and you know, there were people who also said that with Tom Brady coming there, with there being a pandemic, with there being a virtual offseason, that this team wouldn't be able to catch its stride in time. And it'll be better in year two when Tom Brady's at the helm once everybody's worked together. Could this team be even better in 2021 season than it was this past season? I truly believe it can. Uh, we're going to do our best to keep it together. Um, you know, there's still some uncertainty with the cap and all that stuff, but we're going to do um, our best. And it's all on the shoulders of Mike Greenberg. To make it happen. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's where Mike comes in, Jason. That's exactly where yeah. I'm back to work, Mike. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're ready to go. <laughs> right. That's, that's sort of how it happens here. I'm taking a few days off. It's, it's my birthday this weekend. My wife uh, is taking me somewhere. So when I get back, I hope this is all done, Mike. <laughs> and you don't know where you're going, Jason, to uh, celebrate your birthday? You know what? It's we have a. We, this is what the GM of a Super Bowl winning team does. He goes to his son's lacrosse tournament on the, <laughs> in Florida, <laughs> on the other coast. I, I just realized. Wow, you're turning fifty this week. Big big fifty. Big yeah. fifty. Wow. You know that's funny because. Yeah. On the back end of this podcast, we've got James Brown, the CBS host, who's turning 70 later this month. Wow. So some So some significant birthdays here coming up. Did you think, did you ever imagine that this would be where you were at age 50, a two-time Super Bowl champion, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a man who's an integral part of Tampa Bay, and a guy that helped bring Tom Brady to Tampa along with the help of Mike Greenberg and Jake Ellerman? oh no uh having my rod tidwell moment stop it right now (laughs) another one wow (laughs) you know let me say though 50 is a time it really is jason 50 is a time to step back and reflect on everything that you've been able to do and everything that you've accomplished and your family and your wife and charlie and theo and zoe your kids like it's kind of a cool thing. And, and let's see if we get you to cry again here, because there's a lot there in 50 years. We're throwing him a boat parade for his birthday today. <laughs> I feel I am the luckiest man alive with my family, Hal, and my friends like Mike. But my family, my wife, is the most supportive 
person uh, that I could imagine. She's been through a lot. We've moved several times back and forth across the country and never, never complained and um, never complained of the hours we put in. And, you know, she, this, this parade, this parade today, this, this is for the wives like Alana and Blair, um, Chris Arians, uh, all the coaches' wives. They are what make this thing all go. And I don't think people realize just how much the importance that they have in, in a team winning a Super Bowl. Especially this year with all the, you know, all the other protocols that we, we couldn't, certain things we couldn't do and, and trying to, um, trying to maintain safety and, and, and this, it was just even more sacrifice uh, by then this year than, than any other year in the past. And, and like everybody else in the world too. But, um, you know, I, we really appreciate uh, all of that our family did this year, especially. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad I had on both of you, Jason, Mike tried to sell you off to get you alone. And I'm like, no, I want both <laughs> you guys on together again, Mike trying to prop up other people. And I said, you know what, let's prop you both up today. And I'm really glad we did because we got to look back a little bit on the season. We got to reflect on what a unique year it was. And we get to wish Jason a happy 50th birthday in advance. That's incredible. Enjoy that birthday and wherever you're going to celebrate that birthday, Jason. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me today. Congratulations on making the Tampa Bay Buccaneers world champions. I appreciate it. Mike, appreciate Mike it. got a raise today. <laughs> got a raise? Did he get a, Mike, is that no, official? I'm, no, I'm no, saying can, all can we report it? Can we report it? Come on, let's put it on the bottom line of ESPN. Mike Greenberg, new new contract, new deal. Right? Hey, I'm happy. I'm happy that uh, you guys got to celebrate the way you did. Congratulations. It, it's uh, very good. And uh, by the way, I'll leave you with this little story. You want a little laugh? I texted with a head coach in the AFC West, smart enough to figure out. And uh, we were texting over the weekend. And I said, oh, by the way, the Buccaneers win. And he said, you want to bet? And I said, absolutely. And so he said, five bucks. And I said, you got it. You're on. And so I forgot. But yesterday, that head coach texted me and said, I owe you five bucks. I said, yes. And I want a signed $5 bill from you. And he said, too bad. You're getting the money in coins. <laughs> that, that's how much faith I had in you. I bet on you guys with a head coach, and uh, we showed up that head coach here this past weekend. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. Congratulations. Enjoy the parade. Enjoy the weekend away. Enjoy the fiftieth birthday, and enjoy an off season of being the world champs. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Adam. And I really am glad that we had both of them on together right before they came on. Mike Greenberg was texting why don't you just get Jason on? And I said, why don't you let me make the decision here and let's get both you on? Because Mike Greenberg one day is going to be a general manager. And Mike Greenberg, who's from my town, who I've known an awful long time, who's a tremendous man and a tremendous asset to Tampa, deserved to have a little bit of the spotlight shined on him along with his boss, Buccaneers general manager, Jason Light. And now the other man who was involved in his 10th Super Bowl this past weekend a broadcasting legend, a man who turned 70 years old later this month, as we mentioned with Jason Light, the great James Brown turned 70 on February 25th. He's the host of Inside the NFL. He's the host of the NFL Today on CBS Sports. He's the studio host of the James Brown Show. He's one of the smartest and greatest men in the business today, James Brown. JB. Adam Schefter, you know what the life is like. The interview with Bruce Arians went a little longer than planned, but <laughs> thank you. I'm in the car. How does this cell signal strength and how does it signal sound? Well, you sound you sound fantastic, and I'm grateful that you would come from Bruce Arians and step down to speak to a guy like me. Thank you very much, JB. I appreciate that. Your reputation for accuracy, honesty, and transparency proceeds, Adam. <laughs> it is my – no, honestly, I'm thrilled to do this. I just hope I can give you what you're looking for but so we can maximize the time on this ride to the train station, fire away, and I'm ready. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. You know, I think that somebody got short-shrifted in the Super Bowl. It was the 10th Super Bowl for somebody else <laughs> other than Tom Brady, JB, Okay. <laughs> Four at Fox, oh, six at CBS. How come nobody's talking about JB in his 10th Super Bowl the way we're talking about Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl? 
And you know what, Adam, and I'm sure you can relate to the analogy. I am perfectly fine with that. My job, at least the way I viewed it, is to play point guard, to set up my guys. And like you, Adam, to know the issues, the sidebar stories, and all of that well enough to be able to elicit the best out of them. My mantra has always been to, um, what it's, it's called this, in lowliness of mind, yeah. esteem others more highly than yourself. Hey, partner, if we came off good, I'm all good with that. Although, as you can relate, I wish it just would have been a tad bit more competitive, Adam. <laughs> well, still, uh, Jamie, 10 Super Bowls is unbelievable. Do you stop and think about that at all? And I know your job is to elevate the others, be the quarterback, and you do all that and more and have done that for an awful long time. But do you ever stop and reflect back and think about what an accomplishment that is to basically host 10 Super Bowl pregame shows? And how many times have you heard this response from those you've asked that question of, <laughs> Adam? But it's true. You know what? Uh, I've been at it a long time. I'm incredibly humbled. I will do that once yeah. I get to the finish line, if yeah. you will, uh, because I don't want to stop. And, Adam, you know, a lot of that goes back to I have a free agent mentality. I'll never forget when I was drafted in the fourth round. That's when they had 10 or 12 rounds of the NBA draft. By the Atlanta by the Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep, go ahead. Yep. I'm sorry for interrupting and, you. Uh, what the, and was very good friends with Pete Maravich. God bless him. We both loved the martial arts. We used to go see martial arts movies together. Lou Hudson, names that you'll have to dust off the cobwebs for your, for your listeners and viewers to understand. <laughs> but I remember when they were remarking, JB, you've got a great game. Just continue to go at it, and things will work out well. <laughs> and it wasn't a week later at the end of training camp when Cotton Fitzsimmons, the coach, let me go. I was shocked. But I felt no sense of blame is to go anywhere else because, Adam, for the four years in college, my high school coach, Morgan Wooten, in the high school basketball, actually in the basketball Hall of Fame, Naismith, he said there's no such thing as standing still. You're either getting better or you're regressing. And I could not make up for four years of complacency by going at it hard those three or four months of training camp. So that's on me. So I've got a workaholics mentality now because I don't want to ever make that mistake again. And again, for those who don't know, and I think it's fascinating, you played at Harvard for four years, right? You were a three-time All-Ivy League honor selection. You were the captain of the Harvard basketball team in your senior year. Your roommate was the future Harvard professor, philosopher, activist, Cornell West. That's, that's quite a college career before you went on to the greatness of your other career. How did you get from basketball to broadcasting, JB? And I'm sure as you can think back over the celebrated career that you've enjoyed, um, you know, wondering how you got to be the, at the point, the pinnacle where when people hear your name, they take it as gospel, they quote you. I just used that mantra of when I got cut by the Hawks saying I would never allow an opportunity to pass me by that I would not be working hard and diligently to maximize. So that's what has characterized my work life. Look, Bill Bradley of Princeton fame, the former you know candidate for president of the U.S., was a hero of mine when I was in high school and saw him playing at Princeton and how they routinely were in the NCAA tournament. I'm thinking, wow, you really can marry academics and athletics and, and, and do a great job with it and still play competitively no matter where. And my mother, God bless her, she and my dad, high school graduates, but I love to say they have PhDs in determination and, um, and common sense and wanting the best for their kids. I said, if he can do it, we can do it. And had I gotten a letter from Princeton first, I would have wanted to go there. But on my high school coach's desk was a letter from Harvard. And I said, heavens, if I can get in, that's where I want to go. Wow. You see, it's amazing how life works out like that. And when I look over all your accomplishments and I see that after trying out for the Atlanta Hawks, you became a color commentator and a play-by-play -play man. Could you have done that full-time? And why didn't you do that full-time? Because you, you would have been successful and great at anything you did, JB. Wow. You know what? After... Um I was still working in corporate America. Talk about an interesting career and a radical switch. My colleagues, 
by the way, Adam thought I had lost my mind when I went and auditioned to be the commentator for the then named Washington Bullets. And uh, Bob Ferry, the general manager, A. Poland, the owner of the team, they gave me a shot at it. And because I was a local hero, there was a lot of grace, Adam, extended <laughs> as I was working my way and learning through mistakes. But that grooming, that grounding laid the foundation for me. And when I got an opportunity to work at the local CBS station doing what I call the hors d'oeuvre show, which yeah. was before the main anchor came on at 6 and 11, I did a 5 o'clock show. And I just felt in my bones this was kind of the, the next best thing to playing in sports and knowing that you can contribute to um, the bottom line in a significant way. And I wanted to pursue something. I did ask the anchor at the time, hey, if I pursue this business full time, you think I can build on this career to expand and do some other things? And he flat out said no. But in my heart, I felt that one could. I uh, was groomed to also do some play-by-play -play, uh, doing um, cable work uh, with TVS. Um, the big break for me came when I did a big game for, uh, it was a semi-national Big East game, Georgetown against St. John's. And the execs at CBS saw that, and that's when they invited me to be one of the extra announcers during the first week of the NCAA tournament. And that led to then, that led to the executive producer saying, hey, you know, we'd like for you to do some of the work on our NBA telecast. <laughs> and then he said, if you really want to get into this business full time, you need to learn how to be a good sideline reporter. You need to do hosting. You need to be able to do news. That was the best advice because I broke out of the margins, if you will, and did a range of sports so that I could feel comfortable. Hey, Adam, even at Fox being the host of the NHL on Fox. So, Adam, I'm introduced to the national press when they said, OK, JB's going to be hosting the hockey broadcast. And it was so funny because all of the grizzled press were there. They were asking, JB, do you know what icing is? And I explained what that is. Next guy, JB, do you know what a two-line pass is? I defined what that was. <laughs> Third guy said, well, hey, do you know how they um, substitute in hockey? I said, fellas, yes, they, it, it's line shifts. I said, look, why don't we take the veneer off of the questions? I know what you're asking. Yep. Hockey wasn't big in my neighborhood, <laughs> and I understand that the only thing I have in common with the sport is the color of the puck, but I promise you <laughs> I will be a great ambassador for the sport. And not to be dropping names, but I mean the likes of Wayne Gretzky, Mike Madonna, Brett Hall. They were all wonderful in helping to bring me up to speed. John Davidson told me what a one-hole, two-hole, five-hole, top shelf, all of that. All I knew is my limitations were hosting the show, not to do play-by-play. -play. Mike, uh, who is a Doc Emmerich, is the best that I've heard in the state, of course. And I knew my limitations were such that I could never do that. <laughs> and so you became hey Adam. Hey yeah. Adam. But yeah. Adam, I knew I had arrived when we were hosting the Stanley Cup finals in New Jersey. I forget who the devils were playing. I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. I know. I know. I know. Go ahead. You, you've heard you've heard you've heard me tell this because you've been on the faculty at the NFL broadcast boot camp. But I knew I had made it when a group of young white kids were coming up to the host desk where I was. They held a sign over their head that said, James Brown, godfather of gold. I knew I had arrived, and I've got that sign in my office at home, Adam. That is a true testament to how far you've come. The godfather of gold. I love that. I knew you were going there. I had heard that story. I would remembered that story. And if you had forgotten to tell it, I was going to tell it for you. But like the great storyteller that you are, you ran with it. And I'm glad you did. I appreciate that, Jamie. I get asked an awful lot about advice for young broadcasters. And you've had an illustrious career spanning across how many decades is this? Four, five decades, right? 80s, 90s, 2000s. Wow. Five decades, Jamie. Wow. Five. So what advice wow. would you give to all the young people out there who aspire to be like the great JB. Hey, Adam. And again, this comes with a great deal of respect and admiration for what you have accomplished. And I'm sure it's similar to what you have said to them. I tell them if they're in school, be the best student that you can be. Be well-rounded. Engage in conversations with different groups. 
be someone who's interesting and always inquisitive to understand the whys behind a situation, the what, where, why, when, all of that that you know. Be inquisitive and be well-rounded because if you are a good journalist and understanding the key to interviewing people, you will get a lot more out of it. And even though you go into an interview and you may have some preconceived notions from the research that you've done, always have a listening ear because they will say something in that interview to show that you paid attention by playing off of that question. One of the most painful experiences that I had to learn that lesson was interviewing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was with the Lakers, and I was doing local broadcasting for the Bullets, and my producer wanted me to get some um, input from him on a record of Jerry West that he was about to break. And Kareem was the consummate team player. He did not want to go there. He gave me short answers, three, four, five, six-word answers, saying, I'm focused on the here and now. I'll have time to reflect on that later. But the moment I asked him about being in the movie Airplane, playing with his hero, Robert Stack, Adam, the biggest smile came across his face. He opened up. He was expansive in his answers. Well, it didn't take a mental giant to know, well, let me pursue this a bit more. But my producer got in the ear. He says, go back to the Jerry West question. And when I did, he shut down. So I learned a lesson. You go by what you see, feel, your instincts are, and you can still come back around to that, but it, it will be in the context of having talked about something that he was interested in and was opening up and was a lot more effusive in his answers. Mm-hmm. I see that, that that's why you're JB. And that's how being as well-rounded as you are, having that ear that you've developed through the years, that's how one gets to host the CBS Evening News. How does that feel compared to some of the other assignments, the great assignments that you've had during the course of these five decades, Jamie? Five decades, again. And because I've seen you in the same kind of mode, whether you're on the field, whether you're in the studio, whether you're writing, you know, that being well-rounded really means you're a good utilitarian, if you will. Um, Heavens, I asked once I came back to CBS from Fox, they knew I did basketball. But Adam, great question, because Gus Johnson was with CBS at that point in time and just an excited uh, announcer who was <laughs> extremely good at basketball, kind of with a voice similar, if you will, that people recognize like Kevin Harlan. Mm-hmm. And but yet uh, for the regional tournaments, the regional championships, they inserted me in place of Gus Johnson. And I just didn't feel right. Plus, the audience had grown accustomed to him, and I'm certain that they had questions about it. And I said to the to the bosses, hey, look, you know what? <clears throat> I'm interested in doing news because Sean McManus, our chairman, when I came back to CBS, he asked me if I would also host the morning news show, uh, whatever the iteration was. It might have been the early show at that point in time. But I felt compelled to say, let me do the job on the NFL today first. And if I've earned the right, I would be most happy to do that, but I didn't want to spread myself too thin, but to focus on the principal responsibility and then do it. And even though, of course, once Sean, like Rune Arledge, one of only two people who wore both hats, president of news and sports, um, he had come back to sports as the chairman, but news at least gave me the opportunity to be a special correspondent to do uh, reports for all the shows from 60 Minutes to Evening News to CBS This Morning, 48 Hours. And you know what, Adam? intellectually it keeps me curious and stimulated and i'm thrilled to be able to do that Mm -hmm. those are those are unbelievable shows jb and you've done some incredible work with brian banks on 60 minutes uh michael vick i think you did on 60 minutes as well that i love watching that show it's it you do a great great job there and i also want to ask you here we mentioned the five decades and i'm not trying to age you but this is incredible to me you turn 70 years old later this month 70 Yes. And you know what? It's amazing to me when I think about that. I mean, because to think of it on the surface, it's like, oh, my gosh, 70. I'm going to be on February 25th. But the fact of the matter is, I still feel great and enthusiastic. I remember the great John Madden said that if you start to think about retirement, you're already retired in your mind. And my juices and energy and enthusiasm are still high to continue to do. Clearly, I'm thinking about what the next phase of this would be as long as it's again intellectually stimulating and i'm bringing something to the table 
I'm excited to see what might be added on to it. But because I've got so much equity, if you will, in what I have been doing, I'm interested to see what that mix will be going forward. Mm-hmm. What, what would you imagine it to be like, JB, in a perfect world? And you can do anything you want to do. Listen, I would think if you ask to do one thing, you get to do it. So what would that look like for you as we look ahead? Adam, you know what? And I got to be brutally honest to back up the sincerity of what I was saying about how much fun I'm having. I don't know exactly what that would look like. All I know is that the elements would be that it's great working up, waking up every day and going to a job you enjoy. Look, even when you're doing these events and you're leading up to the Super Bowl, it's a long season. It's it can be a grind at times, but I love it. And like the players we cover, Adam, it's all good because at the end of the season, no football player is in perfect health. I mean, everybody's got nicks and bruises, but when you get to the big game, the juices get the flowing and you enjoy it. All I would want is to make certain that it is still fun. It gets me up in the mornings and excited, and I'm meeting new personalities, and I'm digging a little deeper and trying to be fresh. Look, we had a 68-year-old coach in Bruce Arians. People were saying, <laughs> you know, so many, and you would know more about this than me when you're covering coaching candidates some organizations want to go with the new hot kid nothing wrong with it if that works but don't discount the older guys heavens we had two guys 60 plus and andy reed although we know he had that tough family situation with the accident that i'm sure had to be weighing heavy on his heart even if it wasn't conscious and then you have the 68 year old um, the 60 what 62 years old is andy reed i believe 62 65 and then you have the 68 year old Bruce Arians. And I love saying this. You got the 68-year-old Bruce Arians with a 43-year-old quarterback who went and tapped on the shoulder of his 31-year-old retired tight end, brought him back into the fold. And, oh, isn't Florida the perfect state for retirement? But it shows that people still have a lot more juice left in their game. And they certainly proved that with a lesson that is great for America. Not only did Bruce Arians, who you wouldn't think to be on the forefront of social change, with three coordinators of color, two females working full-time for him, and the bottom line was impacted, just like in the business world, where a recent McKinsey report in May of 2020 said that companies that have a the best mix of diversity with men and women of color and women, period, at the highest levels in the C-suite, the bottom line was better than companies that were not comparably equipped that message was certainly driven home with what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. And driven home in the pregame show on Sunday when you called mm-hmm. aptly so the NFL's hiring practices this offseason of minority head coaches pitiful. I think that was the word you used, right? Pitiful? That was a pretty strong bit of wording. But when you look at the context over 100 years and you continue to hear people say, this is important to us, we're working to this. Hey, the bottom line is this. These are business people, and you know them well, Adam, who run these teams. And certainly me coming from the business world, one of the mantras that we operated by back then, you cannot expect what you don't inspect. Business people today, when they look at how well the team is doing, if it's another business, what the market share is, they continue to want to ask and get answers to the question, what does the data say? Well, if you look at the data, but yet it's still the same or even worse over a long period of time, then how serious can it be as an interest of yours if there's been no improvement? And I'm always saying, you know what, and I do understand what people mean when they say they don't see color, but you can't help but see color. This wonderful mosaic that we call America, everybody brings a gift and a talent to the table. And it's great because it is, as Bruce Arians told us today, that you don't have the same people there giving you the same kind of input This wonderful mosaic has been successful because of the contributions of many, even if some have been consciously excluded, as we found out in that outstanding piece that Pete Radovich, our award-winning producer, said, you know, but look at the game. It's wonderfully prosperous. Bottom line has been impacted. Uh, You talk about winning. That is a bottom line uh, um, metric there as well, too. Well, then why not? Let's do it. Don't say you don't see color. The question really is, what do you see when you see color? Do you see excellence that comes in wrapped in different packages? That's what's important. And let's bring that to the table because it sends a wonderful message, particularly to our young people 
who are so much further along than many of us from a, a previous generations. Mm-hmm. But the league has not made the progress there that it should have. And again, it fired one minority head coach, hired one minority head coach. There's no gains. At a time like this, that is not acceptable. Now, you've taken strong stands before, JB. Like during the time of Ray Rice and Javon Belcher, uh, you've talked about domestic violence in the NFL, how players have handled that. Do you do you pick your spots? Do you because it feels like when you say something, it resonates with people. Like you pick your spots, but you know when to pick your spots. How does that happen? Hey, Adam, boy, you ask the best questions. Can I say thank you for that? Because I know in this highly divisive environment that we're in with a lot of acrimony and vitriol and, you know, just uh, insensitive uh, discussions taking place in the public square. It is. And I know people, I run the risk of people saying, oh, he's behind every black cause or, you know, or racial things. You know what? I get involved with cause related efforts. I never thought that I would be involved in heightening the awareness of the pandemic that is known or epidemic that's known as domestic violence. But Adam, when I went down to Austin, Texas and went to the hotline center and watched all the counselors, they call them, who are on the phone handling phone calls from uh, significant others about uh, the kind of abuse that they're undergoing. And next door to the hotline center, there's one for teenagers. And the sobering statistic that you heard back then when we did that Thursday night game in Baltimore for the first Thursday night game, that six women per day are dying at the hands of their significant others. Yes, it impacts men too, but 87% of the perpetrators are men. How can we not be sobered by that, knowing that we've got mothers, sisters, grandmothers, aunts, and all like that, and turn the blind eye with the old school attitude, hey, what goes on in his house is his business. Not if he's a friend of yours, and if he's a friend of yours and you know what's being done is wrong, it would behoove you to find a meaningful way to enlighten that person because we're hurting ourselves and a significant contributing population, women, uh, and, and hurting them in that regard. That And those of us who have daughters, I've got granddaughters. I want yeah. them to feel like they can do anything and contribute. So, yes, I do pick and choose. I try not to make it routine because then people are thinking, well, maybe he's grandstanding or looking for these things to have himself stand out. I have never been about that it is not about the ego because if it is that begins the precipitous slide down into the abyss it is never about me i want to turn the spotlight on those things that can help strengthen the fabric of our communities and our society adam thank you, you for asking well you know where to pick your spots and when somebody who's done it as long as you is as respected as you speaks up the way that you do people need to pay Attention, and I've and I've watched you in that broadcast boot camp. Like these players, I I'm hanging on every word you say. They should be hanging on every word you say. Your four grandchildren, it's four grandchildren, right, JB? Yes, yes, sir. They they, they are very lucky to have you as a grand grandpa. They are very lucky to have you as a grandpa. And Katrina, who by the way, we have to give a little shout out for helping coordinate <laughs> this today. Okay, let's yeah, give Katrina yeah. a little shout out. Uh, thank you very much for having her do that. All these people are incredibly fortunate to have you in their life. Before I let you go, I mentioned turning 70 later this month, February 25th. How are we celebrating the 70th birthday in this pandemic? In my pajamas until things are better. (laughs) I told my wife we could sit out on the back porch. If it's snowing, we'll put the umbrella up and we'll have a quiet little meal together. If I can get the grandkids together, they will be there. We're trying to be, and heavens, you've gone through the same protocol. Talk about what the players and coaches and staffs and teams have had to overcome in this very challenging environment. It works down to our level as well. So I want to be responsible uh, in that regard as well, too. So it will be more family focused. Yes, sir. Have you been vaccinated yet, JB? Coming up, I guess I'll be at that point where they have to take me as a priority, Adam. But (laughs) hey, your boy, your boy has been praying his way through this. And so far, it is good. That's the best uh, vaccination for sure. But yes, um, it's coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. That that should be your 70th birthday present, the, the vaccine. That would I be awesome. You. And that would be fitting. I hey, JB, you. I want to thank you so much for the time today. I do hope that I get to see you in person at some point here in the near future. Tremendous work. Again, I just thought 
You know what? We've talked too much about Tom Brady going to 10 Super Bowls. Let's talk a little bit more about JB going to 10 Super Bowls. And that's why I reached out and thank you to Katrina and Ashley for helping to make it happen. Hey, Adam, can I just say you are simply the best. I appreciate, respect, and admire what you do. You are excellent at it. Love you on this show, the Countdown Show, when I'm watching. And uh, to see that uh, that Booger McFarlane pays attention, Randy Moss pays attention. <laughs> we know Susie Calver would anyway, but they pay attention to what you say because it comes with credibility. Thank you for having me on, Adam. Oh, JB, the honor is mine. And believe me, the respect is beyond mutual. And everything that you said, I give back to you times 10. Thank you very much. Hey, partner, God bless you. Have a great day. And thanks again for having me on, Adam. How good was James Brown? That's two straight weeks where we've had great broadcasting guests. And there's something about broadcasters that I'm drawn to because I think they understand what good conversation is and what good content is. And Chris Collinsworth last week, if you haven't listened, was fantastic. And James Brown this week was equally fantastic. And I truly loved talking to both because I've got such great respect for the work that they do and the men that they are. And speaking of men that I have great respect for, this was an absolutely devastating week in a week where this was an absolutely devastating week at a time when there's been so much sadness, there was even more this week. And it started Sunday night at the end of the Super Bowl when I got a text, did I hear about Pedro Gomez, the great ESPN reporter who passed away Sunday night? And that news came right at the end of the Super Bowl. And it just took all the joy out of the night and it turned it from joy to sadness because Pedro Gomez was such a genuinely nice man. He was really good at his job and he was a tremendous family man. You could tell by all the salutes that went on to him, how beloved and how respected he was at ESPN. And I wanted to send out my condolences to his family. And then on Tuesday morning, we lost the seventh winningest NFL head coach of all time, the great Marty Schottenheimer. And I loved listening to Marty talk through the years. He was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs from 1989 to 1998. Then later, the San Diego Chargers from 2002 to 2006. All of those years, by the way, when I was a newspaper reporter in Denver, and there would be twice weekly conference calls with opposing head coaches, and we had the honor of getting to speak with Marty Schottenheimer, who was truly the smartest head coach that I knew. Brilliant, great vocabulary. And on one of the very first conference calls I ever did with him, it would have been the 1990 season, I believe. And the Chiefs had lost their first game of the season and were getting ready to play Denver in week two. And the first question of that conference call was, what went wrong in week one, Marty? And he went to a long explanation at the same time that the Denver Post sports writer, Jim Armstrong, was on the phone with one of his best friends, getting an explanation from his best friend as to why his wife just left him. And just as Marty was finishing his answer about why they lost the first game of the season, Jim Armstrong blurted out, well, that's a sorry effing excuse. And you could not have timed it any better. Jim Armstrong telling his best friend about why his wife left him with Marty's answer on what went wrong in week one. And the room went silent. And then Marty Schottenheimer just said, you talking to me? Because he had just finished this great, polite, diplomatic answer about all the things went wrong. And Jim Armstrong shouted out, well, that's a sorry effing excuse. And I mean, it was incredible. And I had to leave the press room because I was laughing that hard. But Marty handled it like a champ because Marty was a champ. He was a great man. And he, too, will be missed. And then the third loss of the week, which somehow pained me the most, was the death of the young Yahoo NFL reporter, Therese Paler, 37 years old, 37. And he was one of the great young reporters in our industry. And I don't know if he knew this, but I can say this now. I believe, I am convinced that Therese Paler was coming to work for ESPN at some point here in the near future. Never came up, but that's the kind of work that he did. 
the way that I viewed it. He was that kind of reporter. He was that type of personality. And I never spent any significant time with him at all. We exchanged some messages on Twitter, but I had a tremendous amount of respect for the way he did his job and the way he handled himself. He handled himself with integrity. 37, one of the great people in our game, gone way too soon. And I'm truly sorry that I never had the honor and privilege of getting to work with the great Therese Paler. What a week. What a brutal week. But we do want to thank our guest this week, the great Jason Light, the Buccaneers general manager, and his director of football administration, Mike Greenberg. want to thank the great James Brown from CBS Sports for taking time out of his schedule after he finished taping the final edition of Inside the NFL for this week to chat with us. Love that. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting this podcast together, and our colleague, Travis Rockle, for sitting in and filling in on the James Brown interview to record that for you all. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast as we wrap up this season. We'll be back next week with the Falcons general manager, Terry Fontenot, as he breaks down the challenges ahead for that organization and his new job as the general manager. And we'll be back with more information and insight on the Adam Schefter podcast. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.